Okay, so Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. No questions about anything, anything at all? Okay, let us pull up our exciting screen. So, <clears throat> and where do we leave off? Ayah 10? I think it was Ayah 10, yeah? Although Ayah 10 is very straightforward. Here, continuing <clears throat> the, uh, wait, let me pull up the chat box. The discourse on relationships, the discourse on society, the discourse then specifically on orphans and their wealth. Yesterday, when we were leaving off, we were saying that the approach you should have towards orphans is to try to have the same care and compassion and concern for them that you would have for your own children. And then to then have taqwa and to speak out uh, uh, for them. And so if the one of the most important things you can do is to care for an orphan, then one of the worst things you can do is to abuse an orphan because an orphan has no one to speak up for them. So if you consume the property of an orphan without justification, then it is the equivalent of, of consuming fire into your belly. And then you are headed for Jahannam, which on its own, the ayah seems pretty simple and straightforward. Okay. But what is a deeper point that is being made here is that the benefit that you would get from consuming the wealth of an orphan is going to be an anti-benefit. This is a subtle theme we find throughout the whole text, almost from page three, that when you're choosing the path of profit, but it is the wrong path, the net profit would either be zero or it'll be anti-profit. You'll actually result in loss. And then hell comes after that. And so another way it's commonly framed, the path of the hypocrites, is that they will have, uh, uh, what's the word, disgrace in this life. And then on top of that, they will have suffering in hellfire. And this makes sense in the context of orphans. You don't, I don't need to get into this too much, that you're literally taking advantage of people who have nobody no means to, to through which to protect themselves. So. What do you think about us living in America? Uh, are we or should we be held to account for the fact that my simple lifestyle is actually oppression to people in different parts of the world? That much of the clothes I wear was probably made by people who are exploited the cell phone that I was using was definitely made, parts of it, or mined by people who were exploited. What do you think? Uh, should we be held to account for this? This is something that does get explored in, in history. Any thoughts? I mean, if we say yes, then we're basically saying what else should be held to account? Ahant. Assalamu alaikum. Rossi. I always like wonder the same thing. Um, I mean, like it's kind of like I don't know if you ever like watch um, a a show. Yes. Uh, called, yeah. <laughs> and, like, what is called? Um, a good life. A good. 
something in a on Netflix. Oh, that that philosophy show. Yeah, so like it's definitely kind of you know like everything we consume, it's pretty much like especially us in the in the like um you know like in the US, it's pretty much kind of like like everyone suffered for us, but like everyone suffered for like other person that like more privileged. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like it's it's really connected, and then you really feel like helpless, and then like just like there's no way you can ex- escape from it. You know, mm-hmm. do you think uh, this is also the case of people in Indonesia? Same thing. I mean, no, it's definitely not the same thing, but is so American lifestyle is the result of exploitation. Is that to any degree the case of the people in Indonesia? Many of the people in Indonesia might be working in this in those exact companies right. for minimum pay. Right. Um, I feel like it's the same thing. Like in for sure it's in different level, but it's also kind of like connected to each other. Mm-hmm. This is also a point to think about that the global capitalist trade infrastructure uh, might make everyone guilty, even of exploiting their own selves. Yeah, absolutely. Malahat. So that's a great topic. I mean, if you look for the different aspect uh, since we are living in a consumer economy, right? Uh, if we not buy those products, we don't consume it. What is the impact of those low wages workers are yeah. working on those things? How are they going to keep their living, on, you know, even for that level mm-hmm. of poverty? This is a very good question. And this is where it becomes that systemic problems can only have systemic solutions, right? If all of us in this phone call stopped using cell phones, uh, what impact will that have? Zero, right? Um, It will have zero impact on any of the chain of exploitation. If we started a whole movement getting people to get off their cell phones, we're then also forcing people to have a fundamental shift Uh, into difficulty of their lives because everyone has cell phones. The interesting thing about cell phones is it's one of those things that has literally transformed the world. Even the car and television didn't transform the world as much as a cell phone has, right? And and so the only way to truly address that is by systemic change. And then that gets into, you know, Tanzim Islami type conversations. But uh, individual movement change uh, I don't think it has any impact. What do you think, Malahat? Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, it's again and again, it's just keep reminding me the, you know, in 2002, 2003, we, I took that course in a Hartford seminary about the theology of the popular culture. Mm. Same thing, you know, we, we've been reading on that time about in the remote village, you cannot find a life-saving drug like Pancelin or aspirin, but you can find the, you know, cane of Coke or Nike shoes. Yes. So I think the similar thing, I think that the material has been different, but you know, the discussion is the same since that year. So it's, yeah, that was 20 years ago. It's 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so the world is 20 years worse. Yes. So yeah, the, you know, remember that in a few years back, you keep saying that, you know, if you're not improving year by year, that yes. means we have to look ourselves. But here, the whole society collapsed, right? Yeah. And we are going into the, Entirely, as as 
collectively we are going into the very different direction i mean i've i've been i've been listening to there you know i, I have in contact with someone is called jdc you know in pakistan um, zafar abbas and uh, he do a lot of charity work a big time charity like 30000 50000 people every day wow. sahur and star wow, uh, in karachi only so he have a big organization and he was saying that you know there is a beggar he found and he have a son with him and he cut his hand so he says what happened to this you know how you cut the hand he said no no he just slipped and when he investigated he says no i cut his hand because he's making more money Ugh. because than me per day because because of this reason so so you know if the, the whole beggar family is making like 2 lakh rupees or 3 lakh rupees per month and yeah. then there's a mba person who's making 90 dollar mm. a month which is like a 30000 40000 rupees is literally backwards the rent for the one bedroom apartment is 25000 rupees in pakistan and then k electric the electric supply is around 5000 so how somebody can living in 5000 rupees and this is with an mba that's for the mba and bachelors yes yeah yeah these so, are yeah i'm sorry go ahead no so i'm saying these are the hard facts what you're what you what you're saying i mean you know we know the problem right we've been know the problem for a while but i mean it's, it's the whole society and you know the culture consumer mm -hmm. culture we as a we don't realization i don't know what how to systematic issue right and the political social every issue i mean it's, it's, it's keep contributing and we feel like hopeless right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh absolutely right and oh sorry this i keep losing my uh, so uh, and this is also the conversation in Catholic circles, right? I'm at a Catholic university and I've been here, mashallah, for 15 years and it's been the same conversation for 15 years, right? Exactly saying the same things that, that you talked about from, from your Hartford seminary class. And, and I mean, another point for, for all of us in the class, one point to think about in terms of my intentions for the class, uh, some of you, I think, are appreciating the class because I'm making the Quran more palatable to you. Uh, my actual hope is that this leads to change in behavior. Um, and then the fact that you're all in this class and the ways you're all connected to me or people connected to me, you're all also people that have, you know, extra level of privilege and talent and whatever the case may be, even if you don't think it. Uh, and so higher res responsibilities are on all of your shoulders for figuring out how to bring benefit to other people. And, and so, yeah, really to Malahat's point of my point that, yeah, if you take a class like this and you're still the same person at the end of the class, then the question is either the problems are with the teacher or with the students, you know, but uh, yeah, uh, a lot of us have been having the same conversation for 20 years, for 30 years and making the exact same points. And, uh, and, but nothing has changed. I mean, Malahat knows that, you know, I stopped showing up in a lot of places uh, just because the conversation is exactly the same. You know, uh, if I had different ideas, then I would bring them forth. Zishan. Uh, anyway. So I'll just like the first point. Um, and I think this ties to a lot of like the framework that we talked about before, right? So there's different levels of uh, responsibility and culpability and so forth, right? So being in a consulting position these days and helping all these organizations think through their strategic plans and so forth. So I'm more privy these days to how, like, how are they thinking about ESG and all these things. So uh, first- Wait, 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 uh, what is ESG? 
environment, sustainability goals, okay. um, diversity and all that. So I don't, so given the framework, my, my perspective is that at an individual level, given the, the uh, level or power or involvement that we have, uh, I don't think that we are fully responsible for what happens downstream mm-hmm. because uh, you can either look at it like you purchasing an iPhone does provide jobs to a certain thing. Mm-hmm. It is more responsible for the person sitting in Indonesia in that factory, not paying the right wages mm-hmm. uh, and not making like in, in Karachi, having a sweatshop and burning it. They are fully capable of like providing it. It is a cost margin thing that they provide and they, position it that way yes we are like so it basically comes back back to that framework like what can you do in your position like that's a minimum level you should have like you know uh feel sorry in your heart but if you are in a position for example like as we are at bcg and like talking to clients and helping them think about these things that we just don't do business with such and i know that people have like now certain options which may not be transformational but then changing your 401k towards an ESG sustainability focus. It gives you a lower rate of return, but it forces the stakeholders to think about these initiatives, which are more towards climate friendly and sustainable practices and less consumerism. Mm-hmm. So I think from a, like, as you go up the ladder power, I think if you end up with a person, uh, the hope is that this kind of person is able to influence and drive some change. But as you go down the ladder, there are collective movements that you should be aware of and participate as you can. And that is my perspective. Of, are we fully responsible? No. Do what you can. And if you find up in a position of power uh, or you know someone who is in that, then you can nudge them in that and then Allah may, may show them the path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one way to uh, for, for all of us to consider uh, that can give you a little bit of a map is first and foremost, your transactions should all be halal, right? And at least on paper. So the point is every time I get a car, I usually don't have enough money to have, get a used car. So I have to get a new car with zero down. But when I do 0% financing, uh, technically my contract has no interest in it, right? Although I still raise the price. Uh, but the, so the point I'm making is the first step is to make sure all of your transactions are halal. And then on the interest issue, we can have a whole separate conversation about that. But the point is, then you work to make sure your transactions, you removed all the makruh, all the dislike things from your transactions. And so so that is at least taking care of your circle of interactions. Now, the problem with uh, a lot of contemporary Islamic law is that it's looking at the form not the spirit or the ethic. And the easiest example of that is that Zabiha laws, so when you want something Zabiha certified, what are they looking at? They're only looking at the slaughter of the animal, right? And then, you know, how specific they're getting. They are not looking at the lifetime treatment of the animal. So the animal might have been one who's been abused its whole life, fed all the nastiest things, given all the nastiest hormones, but was slaughtered properly and therefore it gets to be a certification. And so it might be the worst meat on the market and the worst treated animal. And so our community is not yet at that point. We're still at the point where we're still stuck at basically the minimums of halal haram, not even the full picture, but then on top of that, um, not even looking at the ethics of all these things. But then related to to Zishan's point uh, that you should look at um, 
what it is in your capacity that you can do. We in this society, even if power is all owned by corporations, we still have, you know, in our democracy, we still have all types of power locally and a little bit further. So, hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. Should I take a box here from the solo? Uh, you can take this. Okay, just one box? Yeah, but uh, ask them not to uh, waste it and bring it in. Have them bring it back. And stand up. I don't know if we're getting Okay. Thank you. Dates. You know what's funny? Uh, you know where I ordered these dates from? They're from California. You know where I was when I ordered them? I was in Medina and I ordered dates from California. Anyway, so so back to our point. Uh, this is still something that we all have to consider because we are all still participation participants in the system. From a thick perspective, the argument is that we are not as responsible in the analogy that's given is imagine if you have a medic uh, in an army that is fighting against Muslims because they're Muslims. The general uh, opinion among the fuqaha is that the medic is not guilty the way the soldier is. Or the, the cook who is cooking their food is not guilty the way the soldier is, or especially the general or the people higher up. And so we may, Allah knows best, get a, get a, a pass for living here, for those of us who live here in the West, um, but still, uh, um, you know, hope that you know. Don't assume Allah's mercy is guaranteed. Uh, Adnan, and then Hamid, and then Ulfa. Do you have a question? I see here. Yeah. You're on mute, uh, Adnan. I don't know if you're speaking. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was saying, I'm not saying this to contradict anything that was said necessarily, yeah. but it's just a thought I've had because um, I'm not trying to dismiss the idea of needing to like conduct your life or your purchases in a halal way. But at some level, I feel like, at least in our society, we try to uh, consume our way out of the problems, a lot of our problems. Um, what does that mean? So. So, you know, we'll say, like, for example, with cars, instead of saying, oh, we, we have an, un, you know, we have a problem with needing to drive everywhere or needing to do this. We're like, oh, we'll solve the climate crisis by buying a different type of car, right? We're going to buy electric cars now or we're going to, but we're still fundamentally like doing the same behaviors. Yeah. Um, and I guess as a collective conversation, I guess for all of us is, you know, is there something beyond that individual, you know, obviously we all have to make the best individual choices we can for ourselves and our families, but is there something sort of beyond that as a community we could move towards or mm -hmm, talk mm -hmm. about? So I do think, so yeah, I agree with your point. You're not going to, you're not going to solve the excesses of capitalism with more capitalism, right? Uh, you can... Uh, definitely add some ethics to capitalism. This is what John Mackey speaks about quite a bit, the Whole Foods guy, right? And he contrasts that with crony capitalism. But uh, all of us do have more power and influence than we might give ourselves credit for. We might think that, okay, I'm just this nobody who's going to listen to me. When you put in effort, then uh, you start beginning to see that you have uh, influence in all kinds of different ways. Even if all you have is a voice or all you have is you know the ability to show up someplace and and so having said that in our local environments i think we all have tremendous amounts of influence yeah. 
And by local, I'm saying, for example, in in suburban America, we're talking about a 20 mile radius in Chicago, in urban America, we're speaking maybe about a two mile, three mile radius. Uh, there you still have a whole lot of influence in getting messages across. Uh, for a longer 500-year project of systemic change, so, meaning if we're looking for 23 years, systemic change not going to happen. If we're looking for 100-year systemic change, that's also probably not going to happen, but possibly can. That's why, I mean, those of you who've known me for a while know that I was thinking 100 years and 500-year calendars as opposed to 5- to 10-year calendars. Um, but yeah, these are big fundamental systemic issues. And there would, this would be like rewriting how to organize a city, right? Cities are, are designed for cars. So imagine you designed a city for bikes that you didn't even have space for cars. You know, that's a complete systemic change. Uh, Hamid. Hey, I've been, I've been enjoying hearing everyone's very insightful uh, commentary on this issue. My question, and speaking of cities uh, organized around bikes, I feel like Amsterdam is probably the closest uh, closest to that. Yeah. Uh, I had a question. You were saying that we don't necessarily have a pass for the the crimes of our society, so to speak, uh, living in America. Where do we go, though? Because I feel like no place is really innocent. That's uh, do, you, like, do you have an opinion on the most innocent? Uh, that, unfortunately, I don't. This is related to my question to Rossi. Rossi's from Indonesia, but lives here, mashallah, in Chicago, happily with her husband, mashallah, who makes her, mashallah, very, very happy. Yes, yes, yeah, they're they're nodding together right now. But um, the point here is that if I was living in Indonesia, if I was living in Pakistan, Cairo, uh, I'm still uh, coerced, you know, into the whole global system. So, I may have more options that are not part of the system, meaning in terms of food, but why did the Arab Spring happen all at the same time, you know, then and not happen 10 years earlier? It was the same dictators. Uh, part of it is because food prices were then skyrocketed to the point that people can't eat. And, and, and so some of that is also price controlled by larger forces. And, and so... No, I don't have an, an answer for where you can live. Yeah, because uh, I think of, sometimes I think, oh, you know, move to a Muslim country and then at least you have that benefit. But when you look at what yeah. some of the Muslim countries are doing, it's it's almost like I'd rather live where, you know, non-Muslims are doing bad things as opposed to Muslims doing bad things. Yes, uh, Zishan, you want to chime in? I saw how fast you were shaking your head. I was like rattling. And I thought Malahat is also going in. So I would say, look, you'll get the ritual part of it. But I'm sure hundred percent you'll like the you'll be in so many different practices of the spirit that you'll be like like dealing like kindness, basic corruption, you'll be having so many different practices in business. And you'll be like, I don't know if this is like, you know, it's two different worlls. Like what do you do with the Indonesia? Anyway, so yeah, at sure least what I'm, what I'm in at least there is some ethical system here. Yeah. Um uh, Ahant is mentioning Medina. Uh, I had a student here who was telling me about the drug problem in Medina. Right. Starting with uh, a brother of his, uh, not a hunts of a student of mine, who who's who's basically strung out on drugs, raised in Medina. Sadia, actually, um, Hamid already uh, mentioned that. What I wanted to ask uh, 
actually it's the same basically uh, because we are we have a, a tradition in Islam where you could just make hijra to another place but yeah really where do we go so mm -hmm. we already talked about it mm -hmm. yeah Khurram and then Malahat so so um going back to global capitalism yeah uh, so so there is something about that the global uh, means everyone agrees uh, but i'm going to say in a different way that global capitalism is not moral and ethical sure it is more like a perpetual like it has to survive and that's why the global capitalism has to survive it's not going to see like how much starvation wages it has to pay or where to go for the starvation wages that is not its concern or headache and 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 i don't think so we have any 100 or 200 year plan for that or mm -hmm. means is there any think tank that is thinking about that mm -hmm. uh, what to do in that regards mm -hmm. and 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 all the all the commodities that we are using the like as you said everything like iphone or, or whatever so it is it is uh it is going to perpetuate in that in the same way mm -hmm. um so so I means i was i was wondering if if anyone has gone through any study about that like um mm -hmm. like is there any alternate about it like is there can can it be ethicized like it can be make ethical mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. so portions of it yes right uh akin to zishan's uh, uh commenting that you know their consulting group is going to have some ethical limits in terms of who they will or they won't work with right in theory that is also what Samsung and Apple do, um, but they all, everyone gets, you know, I've been going through, you know, for whatever reason, researching about cobalt. This is a rabbit hole that I've been going down. And the whole cobalt industry is is scary, right, in terms of the destruction that's happening. Um, this is also a conversation you'll find interesting that's been taking place in the Catholic Church at the Pope level, going all the way back to the late 1800s. In the late 1800s, you had the rise not only of capitalism through Adam Smith, but you had uh, communism and Marxism through 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 Karl Marx and such. And so they've been arguing these same things all the way back then. And they made some opinions um, that have evolved over the years, like, for example, to work against private property um, and to also work towards workers' rights as a medium, so meaning a 100-year plan. And this you'll find this a lot in the encyclicals of the popes. This is just, I mean, this is the stuff that you read when you're sitting here at, uh, among the, the Jesuits. Malahat. Yeah, I think uh, I just want to comment on that. Uh, that I know you're the strategic person for 100 and 500 years. And, you know, where I work, I see like a strategy is one thing. And then, you know, the quick wins, right? How yeah. we can do yeah. quick wins. So the small achievements can make a difference. Example, like, you know, Recently in in Ramadan, like recently, like when the Ramadan happened in Pakistan, the price hike for the fruit, right? And then in in the big moment going on right now, if you do, do the hashtag uh, buy caught fruit um, in Twitter and everywhere, so so the price for the banana, for example, was six hundred rupees for twelve bananas. So translate, what does that mean? What did it used to be? It's like it used to be like 80, 80, 80 rupees or and seventy. How much? How much is it's it now? Six hundred. Oof. Okay. So, well. so you know that uh, some of the organization they says you know we're gonna stop eating fruit even we can able to buy but you know we're gonna stop eating it let's do it. Everybody stopped doing that. Majority of them in in Karachi specifically, 
and you know the price came down to 70 rupees mm. for the same bananas in two days because you mm. know the it's a perishable item right i mean if you you're unable to sell it then is but the problem is there is a mafia it's not the global capitalization is the mafias in the society is actually is is making the huge you know like and they have they have a systematic you know connection from one mafia to another one like land mafia the fruit mafia the bagger mafias and you know they have the, they have a backing from from the the people who in authority mm-hmm. so so that's that's make things you know the problematic but then this happen there is a the people normal people actually or common man will come up with the solutions right and that's how you see a quick wins into the mm-hmm. society so we living in in us in in the west i think we have this great opportunities to use our connections and use our over resources mm. to provide as much awareness as possible because even if you can provide the awareness to the people in china who's making the most of the iphone parts right i you think that you know the communist in this that's their society will actually increase their wages mm. it's not going to happen right yeah so, sure, yeah and you know like as one of our friend used to say that you know you know man like keep it america superpower if china becomes superpower then we are really in a deep trouble because the way they work they're going to make everybody's like literally a slave right for uh, adnan rahman used to say that oh, so right. sounds like okay. <laughs> especially when he's fasting yeah yeah so so these are the these are the things i think we need to see what is the impact we can make and how the implication of our action or inaction i mean that's the only bandit solution is in my mind to be honest with you mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. but the key point being that you have to do something right yeah. yeah absolutely okay so thank you for a very rich discussion let's do a little bit of quran so you can all have the satisfaction that we've done some quran but seriously consider all this that if you're in this classroom you probably are in a privileged class and then on top of that uh you by extension have more influence that you might think that you have uh and it takes literally a certain amount of a small amount of effort of actually starting some social service project systemic change is a longer thing but social service is a short term thing and all of that was in the context of the fact that the most marginalized the weakest of society are the orphans that as much as a worker is suffering from lower wages you can be sure in such and such society the orphan is in even worse situation and now bringing us to the beginning at least of aya 11 so aya 11 is the big aya of inheritance and what is for our purposes we're going to read through it but one thing i'd like you to consider one of the wonders of this aya is that in this complicated aya you literally have just about the entire foundation of islamic inheritance so you know there's always how does a contemporary person appreciate the wonders of the quran uh cuz the way to appreciate the uh, the recitation of the quran we might like the sound of it obviously it's going to be different than the arabs of arabia um the way they appreciated especially in the context of arabic poetry and then the prophet peace be upon him is coming along with the quran right and so one thing we can appreciate in the context here is that you have this aya that is literally a paragraph long and is giving you the whole full foundation of all the variations of inheritance 
meaning it's giving you the foundation from which to figure out all the other possibilities, right? The only thing that's left out, which we saw in the other day of an ayah that is a scenario that is not listed, is what if you have no children? Yeah. And that's the last ayah of the surah. What if you have no heirs? So looking at this, consider, concerning your children, God commands that you that he commands you that a son should have the equivalent of two shares of daughters. This is a point we're also going to revisit. I don't know if we'll get it to it today, because naturally some of you are thinking about this point. If there are only daughters, two or more should share two-thirds of the inheritance. If one, she should have half. Parents inherit six, a sixth each, if the deceased leaves children. If he leaves no children and his parents are his sole heirs, his mother has a third, unless he has brothers, in which case she has a sixth. After payment of any bequest and debts, you cannot know which of your parents or your children will be more beneficial to you. This is a law from God. He is all-knowing, wise. Okay. So first point, just consider the entirety of these giant volumes of inheritance variations are basically built on this ayah. Okay. And, and so that, I think, is one of the, the, the fascinating, profound things of, of the operations uh, of the Quran. Because this ayah, if you just look at it, look at how complicated it seems. Second point I want to draw your attention to is the end of the ayah. Okay. Number one, you don't know which of your inheritors is going to be beneficial for you. So this is a point that comes up in very different contexts throughout the Quran and the Hadith. For example, when it's raining, you don't know if the benefit's going to come from the beginning of the rain or the end of the rain, right? Likewise, you may have multiple children. You know, my favorite... Uh, anybody from taking my classes, uh, can any of you name my favorite uh, Shakespeare play? Anybody know? King Lear, right? So King Lear is basically about, a, you know, two daughters. King Lear is a story about a man with, a king with three daughters. And he is, you know, facing his mortality. And he's asking his daughters, all right, you know, if I give you, you know, my, my kingdom, what are you going to do? And one daughter says, you know, I'm just going to do everything you want. Another daughter says, I'm going to do even more. A third daughter, Cordelia, says, I'm not going to give you any more rights than you deserve. And then he starts obsessing over this to the point that he literally goes insane. The, the Japanese movie Ron is, is also based on this. But the point is that you might have one child who is seeming to be the good child. Another child who's the headache. That was me and my family. Another child that, you know, is just neither here nor there, you don't actually know which one's going to be the benefit for you. So that, uh, I think, <laughs> is both a statement of fact, but also kind of scary. Next point to consider, <clears throat> this is a law from Allah. Literally, Allah is calling this a fard. And so just about every Islamic scholar you come across, traditionally trained Islamic scholar, will recognize that, for example, in our Western society, women might be working just as much as men. If you add home life, then working more than men. Okay. And so then we might think the inheritance structure should be different, but they will all say this is further to follow this. Aside from the wording at the end of the ayah, why would they still argue that even in a change of context, this would still be further? Any thoughts? Ahmed. 
Uh, an explanation that I've heard in the past is that when it comes to money or risk, it, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Allah. So when he tells us how to spend it, then that's the way that we should spend it because it's really his before ours. So that is more of what we would speak of as a spiritual argument uh, as opposed to a legal argument. So one of the things that is debated is who owns everything. This applies to things like in organ donation, right? Uh, does Allah own your body or do you own your body? And then if Allah owns your body, then can we do this or not? So fair argument, but it's even simpler that the legal scholars will say essentially that if you want to do a different distribution, what should you do? You'd have to change the Quran, which you can't, because it's just... E like easier than that. Easier than that. If you want a different distribution, what should you do? Would you split it? Oh, go ahead, Noor. Go ahead, Okay, husband and wife. Okay, Noor, go first. Yeah. I was just going to say just split like the inherit the quote-unquote inheritance while you're alive. Yeah. Basically, do whatever split you want to do before you die, assuming that, you know, you have the time to do so. And so if you don't do the split before you die, this in the text is going to be the split. And so, yes, yeah, so, so you don't actually have to change the Quran and such. So the point being that uh, if I want to give all of my wealth to Kibriya instead of my daughters, you know, they would have to check to make sure, you know, I didn't get hit in the head by, by a rock. Um, I mean, what are you going to get? You're going to get my Prius with 200,000 miles and, you know, a stack of books and so on. But the point here is I should do the dis distribution while I'm still alive. So, Sabrina. So you can distribute, if you're alive, you can distribute your wealth as you wish. This is when you die. Exactly. I mean, think about right now. Suppose, uh, who do you like more, your daughter or your son? <laughs> <laughs> okay so if if we do this according to the inheritance laws your son is going to inherit more from you than your daughter yes okay or right now you can give your son 50 50 and you give your daughter 50 50 while you are alive so if does that mean writing a will or no no you do that before you write the will so uh, in American language, it might be in the form of trusts or just straight up giving them the money. Make sense? Yeah, I mean, it has to be transferred to the kids uh, yeah. and not in the form of just like, you know, it's written and once I die, it's going to be yeah. yours. No, they have oh, to the will own it. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, uh, so that's not even a workaround. That's something that is 100% legal. 100% uh, you are completely free to do. If you want to give your wealth to none of your children, you're totally free to do that, right? Who's the who's the super rich person who said, oh, no, no, I think it's Daniel Craig, James Bond, who said he's not, he's going to give 100% of his money to charity. And he said, if my kids don't know how to work, then they're just going to waste my money anyway, right? That might be a little bit mean. Uh, Zishan and then Basit. Very quickly then, isn't this a, like a super simple, straightforward thing. Why is there so much swirl over this in the world, like between swallowers? In the world, or are you talking about the ayah itself? The world. I mean, like, if if this is pretty straightforward, right? Like, do it before, but then 
I know the answer. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of times people uh, uh, don't uh, want to do the, the the preparation, or people want to live forever. And then we Misogyny have as well, right? Like as and then we have the problem yeah, in many of our back home societies where the brothers will will push out the sister from from the inheritance. I mean, yeah. it, that's almost an industry of its own. Yeah, you were saying Zishan. No, no, I agree. That makes sense, though. That's us yeah. trying to have clear. Basit. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you? Good, good, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Um, so you mentioned earlier that if uh, you don't divvy up your assets before you die, it falls on the distribution that was mentioned in the ayah, right? I mean, in so, theory, if you're in America, then it's going to be different. But in, that, yeah, that was my exact question. I was wondering who would enforce it if you weren't living in like a Shia, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. This would this would be in theory in a Muslim society that is practicing, you know, Muslim inheritance laws. So, so here uh, is Nadia in the class today. No, I mean, uh, I forgot what happens if you don't write a will. Chances are the state might just take it. So. Ahant. Um, isn't like the, the well, a lot of a lot of ruling in the Quran um will apply according to your circumstances, so it's kind of like really captured to your circumstances. So sure. it's um so I don't think so. Like in my understanding, why like the son get like more money than like the daughter, mm -hmm. just because the son usually the one that taking care of the parents. And if the case not like that, so then the daughter can like have more than that. Mm -hmm. I know like there is um one scholar in medical, like he technically gave a ruling where the the daughter gave like all the money than the son. Mm -hmm, just because mm -hmm. like the one that taking care of the parents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh in my experience, the vast majority of scholars, and again, I'm not speaking of the the ones that I don't pay attention to that are just gonna go with the 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 man wins everything uh the vast majority of them speak of this as far the as is but and i'm sure there's many who who take a different opinion and part of the argument is because the ayah says this is far the from allah and then you know the 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 workaround being you know pre-death but yeah Allah knows best shela um are there other instances, and I mean, I, I know that we've talked about it in the other course in previous years, where we say, where you've said that, you know, this was meant for those people at that time. So this was, you know, again, kind of like the ayah that we read before, that this was seen as like, you know, the fact that women can own property is seen as progressive, right? And mm -hmm. so this was a progressive ayah at the time, too, that they could mm -hmm. be in part of inheritance at all. And so why, you know, why are we limiting ourselves and not continuing that progression in our society today? Mm -hmm. Because I think there are other ayahs where we do that, right? Yeah, we do that with, uh, in terms of matters of social interaction and finance, with we raise at least the question with just about every ayah in the Quran. And so why is this different? Because this ayah categorically says this is farb. And if this ayah did not say that, then I suspect this would also be, you know, looked at in context. And it literally comes down to that little clause. And then it gets further supported that if if someone wanted to do a different uh, approach, it can happen pre-death. So and then why don't we talk about why, why we think this is, right? That 
that the brother would get twice that mm -hmm. of the sister. So this is, this is the question that at the end of class, I'm going to leave everybody with, try to make sense of what is the wisdom behind this setup mm -hmm. as it is. So, any other thoughts? Basit or Samina? You're on mute. I don't know if you're speaking right now. No, I Alrighty. think you did that by accident. Sorry. Oh, okay. Olfat. Um, isn't it so? If it was not straightforward, we wouldn't have volumes of kind of discussing inheritance, right? And then there's the there is fault, but then the mufti looks at the context of the person before giving a fatwa because there are exceptions mm -hmm. based on the person's situation. Mm -hmm. Correct. So yes, and in this context, the prescription that is often given is this is what the distribution should be but then you who is given more should of your own will give to the others so it usually it works as workarounds and you know just like the point shayla mentioned just about all the other ayahs you know like when we looked uh back in i think it was last year when we looked at the long ayah in al-baqarah um can you see the screen or are you looking at me right now Screen, yeah. So this ayah, uh, when it mentions, you cannot see the screen. Oh. Nope. So ayah two hundred eighty-two in al-Baqarah. Can you see it now? Yes. Yeah, big, big, giant ayah on taking loans and such. And then this has the famous part: one man and two women, right? And this ayah is looked at as a recommendation, progressive for its time, perhaps radical for its time. Okay. but looked at as a recommendation part has to do with the language of the text that here all the purposes uh for this is is given uh like you know do this essentially where to go um so this way is more equitable more reliable more likely to prevent doubt if you do it this way and so thus in conversation, so this is not just one person saying this, going back and forth. Some people say this is mandatory. Most seem to say that this is recommendation. But then if you have a different system of loans still fulfilling these core prescriptions of equity and reliability and, re and removing doubt, then that's what you do. And yet, the inheritance ayah doesn't have any of that. And that, I think, is very, very fascinating. Yeah. continue what you're saying or but then there's the but then there's the assumption that people are going to do right by other people what happens when there's injustice well i think uh that is the case no matter what right this can like would you say this feeds injustice what do you think and not in the sense that we're not saying that about allah and the quran and all that stuff so no, I'm I, so I'm thinking more of so let's say siblings, the brother's supposed to take care of the sisters, uh, and that's why the, it's kind of divided the way it is. So let's say the brother won't take care of the sisters. Is it still divided that way? Mm. So again, as inheritance, yeah, right. And if we if we change this to saying, you know, the brother has to take care of the sister, but in terms of inheritance, the sister gets as much as the brother. Uh, do you think that would change the situation? I don't think it would change the situation. 
I think we'd see the same exploitation that we see. What do you think? Or you can reflect on it, inshallah. You know. I, mean, you know. I mean, so, so I all, all the feelings people are feeling in this class, I'm totally, totally recognizing. This is why I'm bringing these questions up. You know, Compared to all the different other ayahs, this one says categorically, this is farther from Allah, right? Even that language I find kind of scary, I mean, because it's so categorical. Sadia. It is still categorical, and it's the first from Allah, but still in our khutbahs, we do talk a lot about salah and fast and all the other faraid, but not this one. Sure. And uh, we don't really emphasize the importance of that because it just stays there. Okay, mm -hmm. this is the first from Allah. This is the division. So that's about it. Mm -hmm. What's beyond that? Nobody does really anything. And I asked a question, a similar uh, question that other people are talking about at Amja conference. One of the you went to the Amja conference. Interesting. I nice did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, uh, first. Uh, uh, tell everybody what is the Amja conference? It's the American Muslim Jurists of America. Yeah, or association. Uh, Association, then, thank and you. It's a, yeah. it's a very Salafi organization, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, so I was curious about this. You know, they were going to talk about um, the technology and bitcoins and crypt, I mean, the cryptocurrency and all of that. So it was just, I was curious. So, anyway, um, I got a chance to talk to one of the Jews and I asked them, okay, the times are different now. Um, there are a lot of single women parents uh, and what if uh, in the family you know you do the division the guys the brothers are already well off why do they need I mean they really don't need that double the money mm -hmm. um, why can't the share of the woman be more because now she's also taking care of a family herself mm -hmm. and uh, that's what they told me. I mean, we cannot change Quran and uh, women get uh, more from other relationships as well. But before he could actually tell me like how she doesn't have a husband, brothers mm -hmm. are not really giving up their share, then who else? Mm -hmm. Is the mm -hmm. Chacha Mama going to do that? Absolutely yeah. not. Mm -hmm. So there is absolutely nothing else. And because they were in and out of the sessions, so I couldn't really ask them or hold them for longer to further elaborate that. But I, the reason why I brought it up was not to change the Quran, but just obviously, or think, you know, like find a solution for that or. Or, or make a system where this can be enforced, at mm -hmm. least. Mm -hmm. There is uh, no enforcement. It, it, you just say it's part, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. That's your responsibility. You know, we need further action. Mm -hmm. So regarding the last point, uh, uh, I'm also going to add that uh, we also can't overestimate the power that scholars have, right? Scholars have zero power, and they have less power in the modern nation state uh, than they have, have had in the past. Right. And so let's say hypothetically, I'm a person who wholeheartedly, you know, believes that this is for a different context than mine, you know, than than mine. And so then I write my will 
according to my understanding context. And if I can sincerely stand before Allah, nobody can stop me. That's my wealth, right? And so, so here, I'm basically giving you the reason why the scholars, the type of scholars that I respect, you know, I'm not speaking about, and that does not include many of the people at your conference, but um, uh, uh, they're, the, uh, you know, they're even saying, yeah, this is fodder because if we're just using this consistent reasoning we use for every other passage, this is a limitation on uh, on this ayah. And so, so the point being that the common scholar in any part of the country has next to zero power unless they have charismatic power. So think of like the big guys that have giant followings in many parts of the world. Uh, usually it's not because of moderate rhetoric. It's more because of fiery rhetoric. And then they're getting a whole bunch of young people angry to, to, to support them. But those people usually never talk about justice. And this is, I mean... The conversation we're having at this exact moment is another facet of the exact same conversation we had for the first half hour, that the condition of Islam in the world is a systemic problem, you know, full of all kinds of exploitations done in the name of Islam, or exploitations done despite Islam, like the way brothers steal the inheritance from, from their sisters, as literally as though it's the culture. And a lot of them are unfortunately pretty religious people too. I mean, I mean, everybody. I mean, their like apparently, religious. apparently, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to the guy who who goes after those people. So, okay. so the point being that then the responsibility becomes more on us to enact things differently. Yeah, basically, um, indirectly, this ayah, this because Allah is making it so first. I think the the notion of justice is also further embedded within the ayah i guess because i don't believe that islam islamic law can be only limited to one particular time it has solutions for every is, time i mean it's process of reasoning sure absolutely right but that islamic law is not focused on justice this is another point that we should probably discuss inshallah tomorrow Islamic law is focused on stability. That's true. Yeah, I Justice remember is, that is from last class. Yeah. yeah, Justice is a completely different thing. Wow. Uh, Basit or Samina, or did you accidentally raise your hand again? No, I oh. had a quick question. So you yes. said um, uh, when you were talking about the that ayah being uh, like definitely part of the consensus among Moshuk, what happens if you do change it before you die? Are you committing a sin, per se? From their perspective, yes. From Allah's perspective, Allah knows best. Oh wow, that's pretty serious. So, so yeah, literally, Allah knows best. So. Adnan. Oh, uh, I just had a quick question. Yes. Would it if if like the parties involved after receiving that inheritance decided to split it up differently? Is that allowed? Hundred percent correct. Hundred percent fine. Okay. Because my sisters would bully me into changing it, <laughs> and I just wanted to make sure. So uh, before I agreed, I wouldn't be sinning. Okay, so yes, uh, if you know, uh, I would that your your dad was to die tomorrow and handed off his inheritance, it'd be split according to all this, and especially if your father did it, it would definitely be split according to all of this. And then, if you four, it's four of you, right? Yeah, yeah, if you four after receiving the distribution decided to split it up completely differently, that's your wealth to do as you will. Okay. Yeah. 
Any other last questions, thoughts, reflections? All righty. So reminder, yeah, thank you, Hamid. No class tomorrow. We will reconvene, inshallah, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I forgot what I have next week, inshallah. All righty. Good discussion. And then we'll continue more. So the question for you to think about then is what are the wisdoms we can gather behind this specific distribution, right? It's easy to say it's in the context of an environment where men are working outside the house and earning. But what else? Reflect on that for tomorrow, inshallah, or for Friday, 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 inshallah. Alrighty. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah Ta'ala reward you all. And once again, please pray for, for Bina Bhabi, Malahat's wife, who, who is sick, and then anybody else that I'm forgetting that is uh, ill at the moment. And may Allah Ta'ala bless all of your fasts, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.